Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk some NFL with Jason Lock and Fora. We'll catch up with a quintessential American sports writer, Mr. Bob Ryan. But first, as always, commerce. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It's a picture that sort of looks vaguely like me, although thinner than I. And I'm wearing a vest and a tie and a shirt, and I'm greeting people at Walmart. You look very happy. There's a blown-up picture uh, on the second page. Yeah, you look very happy about your position. I don't think that's me, but also (laughs) they didn't, you know... semi-retired in a coastal town. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The Tony Kornheiser Show is on... Now, So this is the first of our Christmas week shows, and there's no reason not to do them. I mean, you're, you're with your families. You hate them. You hated them yesterday. You hated them the day before. You hate them even more today. So we're going to give you a little levity and make this exciting. We are split up here. Um, Nigel and I are in the podcast studio. Michael is in South Carolina at his in-law's house, and Sean has graciously volunteered to run the show for us. Michael, how is uh, how's South Carolina? What have you been doing so far? Uh, we've had two rainy days. I think the boys are ready to get outside, but we made it through Christmas. We are at that uh, difficult year where our six and a half is very, very focused on the present side. So to be on this side of the holiday uh, feels a bit like a relief, but we've had a lot of lovely family time together. And again, we're just waiting for that rain to go away. So we, we got a lot of pictures from Moni. They're just lovely. Moni sent pictures of the boys. They're just lovely. I want you to know that. And the boys, to my constant amazement, still have different color hair. All three different color hair, which tickles me beyond anything in the world. <laughs> are, they, are they happy? Are they healthy? Are they They're running happy. around? They are mostly healthy. They're not always only, healthy. Yeah. yeah, only one kid got up uh, sick last night, so that's an improvement for our household. Right. But yes, no, they're very happy. That's good to know. And are you? And we, did you? We had a great beef tenderloin last night that you would have loved. Wonderful. Did you cook yeah. it? Uh, I did. I made up the recipe on the fly. I didn't take the the tenderloin out of the fridge early enough, so my reverse sear ended up having to be gradually increased to get to the to the right cooking temp as you try and figure out how do you do kids dinner and the uh, and the adults dinner thereafter. But uh, no, this is the first time I roasted a, a head of garlic to make a a compound butter to slather mm. all over this uh, this lovely tenderloin. So no, it worked out really well. Good. I'm glad for that. And, but I, and I only like tenderloin you... for the for the horseradish sauce. Did you make that or did you buy that? Of course I made that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I couldn't make that. Have you played any golf? Uh, I got to play a little bit of golf over the weekend. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, no, it's, it's just been nice to get the kids a lot of time outside before the rain happened and just to see them good. with 
to see them with their aunt, to see them playing with uh, their grandparents, it means a lot. Okay, so I wanted to um, mention uh, something. What? What's? Did you no, want to say more? No, I'm, you got to be careful and, who's listening. And Sean, did you have a good <laughs> Christmas? I had a very nice Christmas, yes. Okay, you. that's good. That's good. I wanted to mention something that Nigel knows about because I talked about it with him yesterday. Every once in a while, people are kind enough to give you something during the Christmas holidays. You know, often it's people... Often it's people in the business world because they sort of understand that this is something that people in the business world do. They put packages together of little amounts of goodies. I mean, I don't ever think to do this, but but I'm always so grateful when people give me things. Um, And the other day, my friend Keen Taylor came over and Keen brought over a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, it's sort of disparate stuff like olive oil and candy and you know you know what i mean just things that are probably laying around that you can use over the course of a year yeah not something that you would necessarily go out and buy a candle a bottle of wine something like that and people do this and they and they tend to be business people yeah so so this was a box of candies russell stover peppermint candies Mm -hmm. white peppermint candies coated i believed um in in sort of white chocolate yes with granulated mints inside that you can you chew them they're not it's not one hard mint it's a bunch of small little mint flecks and i uh took one out and i ate it and i thought it was good nigel did you have one of those i had a couple of those they thought it was pretty good really good yeah i think he offered one you know and (laughs) then i put them back in the box Putting back in the box, I said to Carol, do you want one of these? And she goes, no, no, it's got white chocolate, it's got milk. Can't, I can't have, can't have dairy products. I said, okay, fine, that's good. Um, and then um, Carol had finished up a bag of Haribo uh, gummy bears and was then mentioned to me, well, what about those milk chocolate gummy bears that you bought, that you bought, this, these are the key words, you bought from nuts.com. You bought from nuts.com in the blue bag. A pound of milk chocolate gummy bears that I like a lot. And I said, yeah, they're, you know, somewhere. And she said, well, could I have one or two? I said, well, yeah, down the road when we open them. Sure, okay. But again, it's milk chocolate. Can't have many. Yesterday, for reasons unknown, I'm wandering through the kitchen, wandering through the pantry, uh, and I want a milk chocolate gummy bear. And I'm really lucky because there's four left. <laughs> there's four left out of a one-pound bag. There's four <laughs> left. So I go to satisfy my you know, need for sweets. I open the box of um, the Russell Stover White chocolate mints. White chocolate mints, knowing that there's got to be about 30 left. There's two left. And I said to Carol, well, what's this? And she said, yeah, I was eating those. I was eating all that. I said, wait, you have dietary restrictions. She said, well, yeah. Yeah. But I really like these things. I really like them. Michael, what do you make of that? I think you are capturing every household around the holidays where people drop off, you know, yes. pies, uh, you know, homemade bric-a-brac, jingle jangle, all that kind of stuff. And then you just can't stop eating it. And you get, to the, you get to the end of the bag and you wonder, do I have to dig down into the trash to hide the evidence? Or am I just going to leave a few pieces left hoping the other yeah. person blames someone else? 
Yeah, well, in this house, there's only two people. <laughs> you got knives. Only two people. <laughs> so I blame the dog. Yeah. yeah, I didn't do that, though. I didn't, you know, eat all of them and just save a couple for someone else. I ate none of them. <laughs> none of them. I was saving them for myself, but I ate none of them. And now there's like, well, there's no, there are none of the milk chocolate gummy bears left. They're gone. Those are total history. Yeah. There's yeah. one or two of the peppermints left. You know, just... Just thought I'd mention that. I learned never to 86 your snacks from when I was a kid because you used to yeah. keep a small bottle of ginger ale and you could tell if anyone had opened it because it wouldn't be fizzy enough for you. Yeah, that's and right. You just, you would just start eyeing I have my suspiciously. tricks. I have my tricks. <laughs> All right, let me get to a couple of other things. Of that. Yeah. It wasn't a good game last night. No. I mean, it wasn't a great game. I mean, Brock what a Purdy, weird start. Brock Purdy spit the bit. Yeah. He spit the bit at home. Four picks? Five and a half, four picks. Four. But early. Three early. Three yeah. in the first half. Two in the first quarter. Um, the five and a half point favorite. Baltimore felt disrespected. Baltimore beat San Francisco. Uh, we'll talk to Jason Lock and Four about that. But uh, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. Yeah. Lamar Jackson may not throw a lot of passes, but he completes the ones he needs to complete. He may not run as much as Jalen Hurts. But when he has to run, he runs and he, and he gets what he needs. He's been a bad playoff quarterback. He's been a great regular season quarterback. I believe he's something like 57 and 19 wins and losses in the regular season. He's the MVP, deservedly so. They're the best team in football right now. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens are. And I believe, uh, am I, isn't the baby boy Bootsy a Baltimore Ravens fan for reasons it, that I don't understand? It has been a tough go for him because all these Ravens games are starting at 8.30, so he has to yeah. wake up to find out how Lamar Jackson played. But he was super pumped because he got what looks like an on-field long-sleeve Ravens uh, shirt that he is uh, chomping at the bit to wear. Oh, I know he's got one of those. He's got a Nationals uh, shirt, a National sweatshirt. Uh, yes. But again, okay, little, but... little boys at this age are just they're the, they're the perfect audience just to consume all these numbers, and they're beginning to understand how it all works together. Baltimore showed, you know, there's just, this is irrefutable at this point. It's irrefutable. They are the best team in the league. They have the best player in the league. He is the MVP today. It's two games left. Yeah, season. and I know they're not, win. they're not stacked up against each other, but, you know, when you, you always think that Kansas City is going to be in the mix at the end. They're not. They look just completely Bad. out of sorts. Yeah, Wilbon has a theory on that. All of Wilbon's <laughs> theories have to do with Matt Nagy and what a terrible human being he is and how he has ruined the Kansas City Chiefs. One and the impact thing. of Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Swift And effect. how the 87 yeah. keeps getting bigger on the hat. Um, yeah, that, I mean, I have a theory. My theory on that, I, honestly, is that Travis Kelsey and the, tra- I, the, the Taylor Swift thing for me is not as big a deal as what I'm going to say now. My thing is that Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes do so many commercials mm. that they care every bit as much when they walk on the field to win, but they don't care when they're not on the field as much. They are stars. They are commercial stars, both of them. Yeah. And they're not having the year that you expect them to have from a returning Super Bowl team. I don't know about the Taylor Swift stuff. I'm certainly willing to believe that that's part of it. And, you know, and I did, somehow I think that will end badly. It always sort of seems to end badly, but they're not as good. They're not nearly as good as they've been. Something is clearly wrong there. The other thing I wanted to mention was uh, ESPN employs me, and I love working for ESPN. 
And I understand their basketball contract. I understand that the NBA is on Christmas Day for them. Um, It's part of a contract, five games, either on ABC or ESPN, whatever is available. But when you go up against the NFL, you get crushed. You get crushed. I mean, do you have numbers on this? I have numbers from last year, Christmas Day. So Um, this is the second year in a row that they have been totally opposite the NFL. Yeah, but I think so once it's you... not just because Christmas was on a Monday this year, right? I, it's amazing how the NFL just stole Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, there's. I actually was reading an interesting piece that once they started to get into Christmas and realized what huge numbers they were getting, that he said, "Yeah, sorry, NBA, we're going to start taking you over." Oh, this and, is ours and, now. Yeah, pretty much. And the way the schedule works, you know, the week. You know, it'll come around that when it's on Tuesday or Wednesday, that's, that's a safe day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is good for the NBA. But there'll be a Thursday. I mean, they usually have a Thursday night game, so I can imagine them in their new attitude saying, we're going to schedule a couple of games for this. It's just amazing. But so, so last year, um, well, yeah, the first game for the NBA, 76ers Knicks, just over $4 million. Then Lakers, Mavericks, $4.3 million. Milwaukee Bucks, Celtics, 6.3, And then down again, Grizzlies, Golden State, $4.7 million. Green Bay, Miami, 25.92 million. Denver, Rams, 22.57 million. That's a factor Tampa, of five and six. Yeah, Tampa Bay, Arizona, 17.5 million. That's a factor of five and six. And even in a year, I went back to 1919, and when a year it was like a Wednesday, so there shouldn't be any competition from the NFL. And I think the highest game, Did the you NBA. Say 1919? I'm sorry, two, uh, 2019. Yeah, because that's a long way back. That's before TV. <laughs> it's the Black Sox scandal. I wanted yeah. to check it out. Yeah. Um, but even, even without any competition from the NFL, I think the NBA's highest rated game was like six million or something like that. So here's like that. the thing, and, the, and, and what you see now when you, when you watch television is you see all of these absurd records where they go, well, he's the third person to get 45 on Christmas Day. Oh, he's the second one to get 15, 6, and 9 <laughs> on Christmas Day. Christmas Day is nothing. Right. It's nothing. There are no official records on Christmas Day. Nobody cares about what happened on Christmas Day. So I guess you weren't the, watching the simulcast on Nickelodeon. No, the NBA cares. Right. The NBA cares about this because it's a way to sell their product. I give them credit for that. But please, please don't give me Christmas Day records. Well, Bob Ryan will be on the show. We'll talk to Bob yes. Ryan about that. So we have Jason Lockin for and we have Bob Ryan. Who's first? Jason? Jason is first. So, yes. Jason, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Krista Detour or Detour? I'm not sure. 
This is sent to us, like all the great music is, by our friend Michael Granberry. Right? Yes. He writes, I first heard about Krista Detour, D-E-T-O-R, and her extraordinary music from my friend Gretchen Peters, a member of the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame and a musical alumna of the Tony Kornheiser Show. I've been hooked ever since. Krista has one of the most beautiful voices of any singer I've ever had the pleasure of hearing, not to mention the gifts of her songwriting. She's shared stages with Loudon Wainwright, the Neville Brothers, John, Joan Armitrading, among so many others, been involved in award-winning theatrical collaborations, including the highly acclaimed Wilderness Plots on PBS, for which she and her fellow writers were recognized by the Indiana legislature for contributions to the arts. She's been a returning presenter at Stanford University and other fine schools, conducting songwriting seminars, performances, and presentations throughout the world, including repeat workshops for the Irish Music Rights Organization. This is a song of Krista's. It's called More Than I Dare Say. Yes. And if you think you're a good singer, <laughs> you listen to this and then go into a sta- you know, a soundproof room and record your version. And if it's as good, send it. Yes. Send it. Absolutely. This is just beautiful. And it plays in Jason Lock and Fora. And we read we're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora, host of the podcast In the Huddle, covering the entire NFL. So as you know, I do um, questions. I write them down because that's what you're supposed to do. Sure. When you're a reporter, you write them down. There's four questions. There's only four. Okay. You can take them in any order you want. What did we learn from the 49ers Ravens? What did we learn from the Cowboys and Dolphins? What do you make of Joe Flacco and what's wrong with Kansas City? Right? Is there's nothing else, is there? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I guess if we're looking for like things that have Super Bowl residents or potential Super Bowl residents that um that feels about right. Um, maybe we could sneak the Rams in for Thursday night because uh, I, I, I do think they're kind of frisky. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll start with last night, I guess. Yeah. And I'm not going to remember all four, so please keep those notes handy, Tony. I got them. Um, uh, the, the Ravens, when, when they feel like they have been slighted or are being slighted or, you know, they're sort of nationally being asked to or forced to play second fiddle to somebody else, uh, it, it brings out a real venom in, the, in this group. And they, they tend to take it out on the opposition with great vigor, um, and particularly defensively. And this was a weird one for me because, you know, you're sitting there at halftime, and the Ravens have allowed 231 yards, 8.8 yards per play. Wow. And I'm thinking, if this keeps up, yeah. And I'm like, if this keeps up, like, they're, the levy's going to break. Like, they're not going to keep turning Brock Purdy over, you know, every at the end of every possession, are they? Like, because that seems like that would be a big ask. And besides that, they're kind of doing whatever they want. They're running off left tackle and they're throwing in the middle of the field with, with, you know, incredible success. And it turns out they could just keep turning over Brock birdie. They could. That's right. And they could keep getting off the field with sacks and turnovers. And it, it turned into, it, it kind of felt like the, you know, what they did to the Lions. but this is even more emphatic. And this was even more, impactful because they did it on the road. They did it on the road at a place where that team had been pretty much, I mean, 
think their record in regular season games when Purdy, McCaffrey, Debo, and Trent Williams were, were together, I, I, since the McCaffrey trade, those guys all healthy through a game, um, I think they were 18-0 in the regular season. So it, it was, you know, they gave up some yardage, and that's going to happen. But the way that they were able to rattle Brock Purdy and get Brock Purdy to melt down and get Brock Purdy seeing ghosts and in his own head and not sure if this is a real pressure or a simulated pressure or, you know, really kind of losing all sort of sense of the, for the game and how close someone was to actually hitting him and all the things that make him special, the ball placement accuracy, um, the, the guy who hits every layup and hits the layup perfectly so that, you know, the, the receiver can do the work with the yak and all that. Like, it, it just it wasn't there. And then offensively, Lamar Jackson just continues to make unbelievable play after unbelievable play, whether it's on script or off script. And I think we talked about this in the past. You know, Brock Purdy, I'm not sure he's the most valuable player on his team. In fact, I've been convinced for a long time he's not. It's actually the left tackle, Trent Williams. We don't even know who the other really good players are on Baltimore's offense. You know, There's one the guy. Sec- the second best guy after Lamar is, it might be their center, Tyler Linderbaum. So what are we talking about? And they about lost here? they lost a great tight end. And then he's, they lost the running back who was averaging yeah. like I mean, he was averaging like eight, nine yards a no. touch, Keaton Mitchell. Like he he's, was an absolute game breaker. And I they mean, just you lost watch, him last week. You watch Lamar Jackson at the beginning of that game, the first two or three series, and you go, he doesn't have it tonight. And then by the middle of the second half you realize he's the best player in the league. Because when they need it, he's there. They're now on 9 out of 10. And you go on the road, you're a five-and-a-half-point underdog, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, and you, you demolish the team that I thought was the best team in football. You demolish them. Yeah. Well, by any statistical register, they, they were. I mean, yeah. However you like your stats, old school, new school, you know, the EPAs and the DVOAs are just, you know, the yards per play and, you know, uh, points per game, all, all that stuff, what they had done since the bye week was on another level to anybody else, offensively and defensively. And, I mean, that was the other part that kind of stunned me, was I, I thought that the Ravens' offensive line was going to get um, exposed, was was going to really struggle because they're rotating tackles and they hadn't been playing that well lately, even at home. And now to go on the road, and this is a really big ask against, you know, Chase Young and Bosa. And collectively, they did the job on those guys. They did. They were great. They were great. They won. They're they're the best team in the league right now. That doesn't mean they will be in three weeks. They are right now. Let me move to another question. What is the takeaway from Dallas losing? You know, Dak Prescott walked off the field winning that game. And that defense lost that game to Miami in the last drive. What's the takeaway on that? Well, they're they're just not they're not as I mean it's kind of what it always has been. That Dallas is no good on the road. Dallas is no good on grass. And really, a lot of people look at the grass stuff and they want to dig down on the offensive side of it. But the defense has given up a lot of points when when they have had to play on grass. When they have had to play off that dome, it, it it's it's a speed defense. It's it's more speed than power. And that gets mitigated and muddled when you change the surface. And I, I, the fact that Miami did it and 
Tyreek Hill, right? He's not. He hasn't been right in two weeks, and Waddle's out, and Mostert's got an ankle, and you know the other running back is beat up, and they're without their center, and they need you know they need to find a way to move the ball against a defense that people consistently want to anoint, against a defensive coordinator and Dan Quinn who people consistently want to anoint, although I wonder why. Um, and they find a way to matriculate the ball down the field and do what they have to do and, and you know, end that game on their terms. They did. Which is kicking a chip shot and not giving Dak a chance to see the ball no. again. I think it was incredibly impressive. Um, they are the – I thought they'd win that game. thought they'd win that game a little bit different. And if Mostert doesn't, you know, deal with what he's dealing with, I think they probably do win that game um, in a little bit more of an emphatic manner and maybe a little bit more similar to what Buffalo did to, to, to Dallas. But, no, I, I think Dallas is in trouble. Um, Dallas cannot run the ball, and Dallas cannot stop the run. Uh, that's a big problem. And I think it's going to be a big problem for them against the Lions as well, even though they're at home this week because of the Lions' balance. And the reality for the Dallas Cowboys is they thread a, they have to thread a needle. And that is they better be, like, they, they better be more than just marginally better than the other team through the first 20 minutes. And when they are, and the game script is the other team now has to pass and the other team can't run, and we'll, we'll run just enough, but all we have to do is milk this lead and then we'll still hit a few play-action passes off of it. Like, they're, they need they need momentum. They're, they need to be front runners. They need for all their little sort of creature comforts to be there. And when it's not, the longer that goes, the more they tend to okay. be their own worst enemy. I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I believe that Baltimore plays Miami in a week, right, or two weeks? Isn't that a game Dallas that's coming up? Dallas hosts the Lions. I, that's a six-point spread. I'm not sure why. I, I think right. Dallas is in some trouble there on Saturday night. And, and then Baltimore. the Ravens Sunday afternoon host Miami with a chance to secure the one seed. That's good game. Good game. Baltimore's got two games in a row that are tough. All right. Joe Flacco, somebody you know well because he was yeah. in Baltimore for a long mm-hmm. period of time. Um, most of these people, the arc of the substitute is two to three games. Yeah. You know, the Tommy DeVitos of the world, the uh, Dobbs, Josh Dobbs is of the world, two to three games. And then they recede back in the shadows. The difference, of course, with Joe Flacco is he's not a guy who was a career backup. He's a Super no. Bowl-winning quarterback, a starter for 10 to 12 years in the league. What do you make of him? It's um, revelatory. It, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing because they, they come out and they show you who they are and what they're all about from, with this guy as quarterback from the first, literally the first, offensive snap to the last like they come out and it's bombs away and it's downfield passing and it's you know we don't care if we turn it over we're coming right back with that same approach and we're going to throw it at least 45 times they're throwing the ball more than any team in the league the last six weeks and we're going to throw it deep uh, pretty much more than anybody else and you know we're going to let the chips fall where they may and we trust our defense and you know we'll run it a smidge but that that it is that's that's what we're going to do. Can you stop it? Can you keep pace with us? Because this is what Browns football is now, and it it's it's amazing. It really it really is. 
I mean, and this guy's thrown for over 42,000 yards. I mean, this guy's had one of the greatest playoff runs in NFL history. This guy's been a Super Bowl MVP. So hey, he is different than, yeah. you yeah. know, these, 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 you know, the Brownie, you know, even like the Brownies, He's right? Not Cinderella. Nick yeah, the, 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 He's the not. you know, the Cinderella's cart turns into a pumpkin for a lot of these guys. The clock has struck midnight. This is a little different thing. And he's got a little different cast around him, even with their offensive line injuries and losing their starting tackles. Like, he's wired differently, and he's perfect for this. Like, hey, dude, just go out there, sling it 45 times, try to throw for 400 yards. We don't care if you throw a couple of picks. Maybe even throw three. Just throw three touchdowns and we'll be all right. Like, that's literally what it is, and it's it's pretty wild. And now he gets the Jets, who, like, he really wanted to go back to the Jets. Like, he did. It's close to his house. He knows everybody there. You know, like, hey, I'll, I'll go there and, and, and get them in the playoffs with that defense and some of the young guys that they have, you know, who don't see the ball that much, Garrett Wilson, and we'll get more in at Brees Hall, and they already know everybody. And he couldn't get in the building. He couldn't get a tryout. His agent couldn't coax them into just looking at him because, you know, hey, he's not a friend of if you're not a friend of A-Rod. If, you if the real GM of the team doesn't let you in the building, then right. you're not getting in the building. And now he gets them on a Thursday night. It's That should be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, the Browns are obviously getting in the playoffs. The Browns are going to keep playing with this we-don't-give-a-bleep attitude. And, like, the as great as we're talking about the Ravens and everything else, and the Ravens are on another level than the Browns, but the Browns did beat them, you know, in Deshaun Watson's last stand a few weeks back, which has kept the Browns alive for the division and the one seed. Should that, you know, tough schedule make the rain, you know, Ravens crumble at the end. So uh, okay. the Browns at home don't give up anything defensively. No, they really good defense. Really good defense. Especially really at good. home. I mean, if they manage to get a – I don't think it's going to happen. But, I mean, if they managed to get home games, forget about it. It would be – the people there would be going bonkers. But uh, now, no, Flacco's shift. not going to bow down, and he's not going to go out, you know, uh, no, on anybody else's terms. And they're, whoever they play in the playoffs, I mean, I think the Browns are scoring 24-27. And they couldn't score earlier in the year at all, and now they can. One no, last question. can't score with Watson. What's wrong with Kansas City? Because something's wrong. Well, they don't. I mean, they they really don't have anybody that besides Kelsey they can trust in the pass game, and it it becomes pretty pretty easy to bracket him when when you know you get in the red zone, and then it's like okay, well maybe he'll throw it to Rice, or you know maybe one of these backup tight ends will catch a three yard pass, but that that's really that's really it. It's it's uh, they don't they don't make plays. Um, they don't have tackle, starting caliber tackles, really, even at home. The tackle play tends to be poor. They're not a very smart football team. They're not a very confident football team. Um, they're not a football team that, that really, I, I think, believes they're going to win a lot of these games. Or certainly, they don't believe they're going to win emphatically. And I, I, it's clear that they know. It would go back to when they all freaked out and melted down about a football player who never makes winning plays making a losing play in Kadarius Tony, like it's it's not really about that. It's about the fact that we're not who we've been, we're not who you who you expect us to be. That's not us. And we're not flicking a switch and getting there. Um, 
They're not very balanced. Even Andy Reid, like I think Andy Reid doesn't know who he can count on, who he can trust. I don't think he knows how to call a game. Like I don't think he knows to what to expect out of a lot of these guys from week to week. I mean, at least they got Pacheco back for a minute, and then he left with a concussion. That's They've right. Got, got to run the, the ball. They've got to be able to run the ball on early downs and and make play action a little more effective and make themselves a little tougher to defend on third. They like that's a team that is kind of rudimentary, but if if they're in third and four or less, they have a chance to sustain drives. You you put them in third and long now, and I know if you look at their season numbers in third and long, they look okay. But if you've watched them the last five weeks, it's it's a slog. Um, they're just not that good, Tony. They they don't have enough winning football players on offense from the offensive line to the wide receivers. Uh, it's just not there. Okay. That's sad because, I mean, they're exhausting their quarterback at the moment. Plug your podcast for us and your radio show. Plug your radio sure. show. Uh, plug your radio show. Yes, you can listen to me from two to six weekdays on Inside Access in Baltimore or anywhere on the Odyssey app. Um, and check me out in the Washington Post and, and uh, CBS Sportsline and who knows where else. Thank you, Jason, for doing this early in the week. Thank you, oh, Jason. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Talk Happy holidays. You. Jason Lockenfora, boys and girls. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Bob Ryan, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Krista D-E-T-O-R, which is either Detour or Detour. Yeah. Not exactly sure. This is sent to us. She sends her own permission. Yes. And it's sent to us by Michael Granberry. This is called This Coming Winter. She's just... Remarkable. Just <laughs> fabulous. Why have I never heard of these people <laughs> that Michael Granberry sends just us? Just has in his back pocket. Oh, check this out. And they're all phenomenal. Just lovely. Mm. Michael Granberry has the great privilege of getting to listen to and see musicians yes. who the rest of us don't know and be thrilled by them and then pass it along to us. Yeah. Krista Detour, you can listen to her music without us interrupting at the end of the show, and she plays in Bob Ryan. And I know I, I want to talk about the NBA, and I want to talk about this sort of weird relationship between the NBA, or now it's among the NBA, the NFL, and Christmas Day. And I will get to that. But... I've got to ask you the one question that everybody would ask anybody who's been <laughs> associated with sports in New England for a long time. I know the Patriots won the game. And I know that it's common to see Belichick out there, and this was in Denver, in a cold setting late in the season, um, usually oblivious to the cold, just looking at his notes and, and being very solitary. And again, he won. But I got to ask you, will he be back? What is the feeling in Boston and environs? Will Bill Belichick be back? They haven't given up. They have no offense. Their defense is pretty good. Will he be back? That is, of course, the great parlor question here. And the, I would say more people, if you had to put the proverbial Luger to their head, give me an answer. Give me your educated guess, yes or no. I think... Maybe it would be a 50-and-a-half to 49-and-a-half um, plurality. But I think more people would say, no, he won't be back, than yes, he will. 
But that is how, that's how tenuous it is. And yeah. it, 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 we don't know what Bob Kraft is actually thinking. You know, we, we can step back and say, look, well, here's one thing. Bob Kraft owes Bill Belichick a lot, <clears throat> a lot. And he, he, he as in, the franchise is so much incredibly more valuable than it was 21 years ago. And, and there's individuals are a reason, the reason for that. And the primary individuals are, of course, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, and, yeah. And... And actually, and Adam Vinatieri, who cannot be forgotten for the, uh, because the thing got started the night of the Tuck Rule game and a great field goal by Vinatieri. But anyway, it's it's hard. Here's what I was thinking, Tony, in preparation for. You know, I knew you were going to ask me this. Obviously, yeah. uh, is that the one thing that I haven't heard anyone mention yet with regard to Bill Belichick going somewhere else, is that assuming it would be just as coach and not as the power broker, which he has been in New England. How could he live with that? He's too used to, to with no boss, no day-to-day boss. He's he's in charge of every aspect of the way that team runs, <clears throat> and, and, and on the football side. And it, could would he at age seventy-one with 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 the, the rings uh, and the and prestige? Would he willingly listen to somebody else telling him, "No, here's who we're drafting." Here's who we're cutting. Here's who we're going after on the waiver wire, and 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 and, and you'll like it, or, or that's too damn bad if you don't like it. Can right. you imagine him doing that? I can't. No, no, no I can't. I can't. But I also, <clears throat> I also think it's it's time. I think it's time. They're not, they're not going to get any better offensively. They're just not. So well, the time that, that you know, we all know that the 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 elephant. In the, well, the thing that the Ahab, not the elephant, wrong metaphor. The right. <laughs> Ahab is Don Shula's record. Yes. He's chasing Don Shula. It matters to him. We know it matters to him. And he's a long way away. He's not going to get it in New England uh, you know, in the, by, for at least no. two more years. So um, if he could find a place that can hasten that, that chase and, and cut them and get, them, get it to him quicker. Uh, fine, but but once again, yeah, I go back to what I just said previously. That what is the circumstance that he would accept? Uh, uh, and and if and you don't want to give him the power because what he's done is proven that he doesn't deserve the full power. Because the reason he's in the mess he's in and they're in the mess he has in the power. Poor personnel yes. decisions That's and right. poor decisions. Not coaching. Not not Sunday or Thursday night or Saturday night or Monday night or no. It's not that. It's the personnel, and he was responsible. Okay, let me move on a little bit um, to get to the NBA. Somehow the NBA uh, took over Christmas, and they took over Christmas for a while when it's in the middle of the week. And then they bump up against the NFL uh, when it's on a Sunday or a Monday or a Saturday, and they get totally annihilated. Nobody wants to watch their games compared to NFL games. It's not like Adam Silver didn't see that Christmas was going to be on Monday this year, what is this strange relationship that the NBA has with Christmas, that they try to appropriate Christmas in such a way with these stupid records? Oh, that's the eighth guy to go for 33 points on a Christmas. You know, it's just oh, stupid. Oh, no, don't forget under the age of 25. It's forced on us, and it's stupid. <laughs> what do you make of this relationship, and, and does it work ultimately? Because it is the beginning of the I, NBA season, thirty games in. I've been thinking about this, uh, uh, you know, a lot because of the, we've gone from a, a Christmas Day game or two in Five. selected locales uh, to 
five, a, 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 a wall-to-wall, 12 noon to, Ooh. you know, 13-hour extravaganza. And um, they have decided that the average sports fan, not the NBA zealot, not the, the, average, NBA, the average American sports fan, has already told them that, the, that Christmas Day is the beginning of the season. That they it, we're deep enough into December that football is winding down, and and and, and uh, I'm not saying people are footballed out because we all know that true football fans are get, they look forward to the January with the playoffs. Of course, of course, okay, we all know that. But I, they've made the decision that they're following what they think is what the American public have already told them. That's my guess. That's my feeling. And so we're giving them we're giving them five games, and and uh, and and we'll see. I haven't. I don't know what their overnights are, Tone. I don't know if you Nor do I. Nor do I. Uh, I. I'm curious, you know. I'm curious uh, about it. But um, that's my take on it, that they, they, they think the public has told them that uh, in, by, in so many ways over the years that, that the NBA season for, for the average person who is a generic sports fan started yesterday, even though it's been going on and it's one quarter done. So and I'm, I I understand that. Is there any movement? Could there be any movement? There's so much money in basketball from television networks. Would there be any movement to actually start on Christmas Day? I would never say never to anything that begins when the topic begins with M and ends at Y and has three letters yeah. in between. Right. I would never make any de- de- definitive determination. I would hope not. Uh, I I I think like most sane people, uh, I I could. I think a 70-game schedule would be quite adequate and not 82. 82 is a sacrosanct number now for 50 years. Once upon a time, there was actually an 81 games, uh, you know, and for some reason, and uh, maybe it was the multiples of the league. It probably was. I think it was maybe when it was a nine-team league. Maybe they went nine times nine to play right. everybody. I don't know. I don't know. Right. But, but anyway, we, I think most people agree that 70 is plenty. The bodies uh, wear out. Uh, one of the you know this whole load management thing could be you know uh, addressed a little bit better if there were fewer games. We all know that. Anyway, that's a good question, Tony. I don't think they'd ever go that far. But but uh, but then again, if somehow, some way, it, it, it was deemed to be more lucrative. Of course, they'd do anything. It's just wild to me because you know you you set this up, you put on the teams and only the teams that you think people want to see. You know, oh, it doesn't yeah. matter that Orlando has a good record or Minnesota has a good record. Minnesota they're not getting should a, be. Yeah, they're not going to sniff of this this year. They had no chance that, that you know, they, they, yeah. they will next year, but they had no chance this year. And you put it out there, and then, bang, you're, you know, running into the NFL wall. You know, yeah, I mean, well, do you think that the NFL is laughing and deliberately doing this to hurt the NBA? <laughs> uh I, I I don't. That's a good question. I don't know uh, <laughs> about that. That, but obviously, you know, actually, this we've come to believe that there's a reason, reasonable camaraderie among the the, the, the commissioners and all that. Yeah. But but obviously, the commissioners are employees of the owners. Ultimately, we also have to remember that. Anyway, it's a good question. I don't know, but uh, you're, you're right. The 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 Minnesota Timberwolves uh, have been the class of the West this year, and of course they're watching these games on TV, and, sure. and, and uh, Orlando is a... a I, I keep telling people, Tony, uh, I, if I'm, I'm a Orlando fan. I'm, I'm really pleased. I like my team. I love these guys. I love, I, I love Paolo Bancaro. I love the you know, Wagners. Uh, uh, you know, I love these guys, so uh, that's a good team, and Minnesota, of course, is, is uh, with, with, 
with Anthony Edwards emerging as a star and, and Holmgren and co- company. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that, I'm sorry, I'm talking about uh, Oklahoma uh, City. Yeah, Oklahoma City. Yeah, that's another team on the move, you know. But Minnesota with with Gobert and and, and Anthony Towns and, and Edwards having a sort. Yeah, good yeah. question. But you know, you're right. They gave the people the the, the glamour. They they the premier game. You know, was a game that that was was a tribute to the '80s because yeah, the Celtics, Celtics and Lakers. Lakers. Yeah. They got the A team. They got that's Green, right. Doc Rivers, and Doc and Dar- That's how you know what they think. They got the A team. And and, um, uh, and but look who was there. You know, all the MVPs of the recent MVPs. Doncic played. Doncic Quambo played. Embiid was supposed to play because he was hurt. Got hurt. Uh, and of course, King. You can't have it without King James. So no. you got to have him. And they had had all these guys. Yeah, yeah. They they all were on display. And, and they're a and, 500 team. They're, but yeah, let me and, get to the Celtics. The Celtics do yeah. to me. I think they're. I thought last year too. Um, I think they're the best team. I think they're a championship squad. You have history with all the great champions with the Celtics. What, when you look at this team, what do you see? Well, I see uh, a, a team that has, if you look at the composition, look at the starting lineup and look at the ages and look at the experience. They are a dream scenario of young veterans that are all, yeah. uh, there, there's no learning process going on with their starting five. Uh, and a Porzingis, Tatum, Brown, uh, uh, White and Holiday, the youngest one, I guess, in there would be uh, Brown, is, is 26. So, you know, they all, they're, they're not too old, they're not too young. They're, they're that, you, know, they you know that World War II song, they're either too young or too old. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys are perfectly positioned. They're all sufficiently experienced, and they're all young enough and, and, and experienced enough at the same time. It's a dream scenario. That's the start, and then, and of course, Al Horford. Then you got the Sage veteran coming off the bench, and Al Horford, and you got two young, young Turks with that are that shoot threes like crazy, Sam Hauser, and especially Peyton Pritchard. That's the that's the route. And they got a young guy that you may be hearing about more in the second half of the year, Keita, who's a seven footer with a with an NBA body that, that gave him fourteen points and twelve rebounds the other night. Um, the question with them, Tony, is very simple. It is not talent. They have had a sufficient talent going back two years ago when they lost to the Warriors uh, with, a, with some, a somewhat different composition. The, the, ta- the question is that they have the poise under pressure to, 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 to uh, you know, that you need the, in the playoffs. And then it, the coaching. They have a, a young coach uh, in his second year who's, who's, who was thrown into the job under extraordinarily tough circumstances here last year. Uh, and it was all OJT, the lowly head coaching job he had ever had was at Fairmont State in West Virginia. Uh, he had been an NBA assistant and a college assistant, um, Joe Missoula. But um, he's a thoughtful guy, and, and he's learning. And it was a very interesting interview. If you want, anybody wants to dig it out, he gave Adam Hilmesbach at a Globe that was in Sunday paper, that, uh, or the Monday paper, which was really revealing about what, a, what an interestingly thoughtful person he is. And, um, and I learned a lot just from that interview. People here question it. You know, that, that's the big yeah, but here. Is, uh, yeah. Is, is, is he good enough? Is he, is he worthy? Is he the guy that can guide them to a championship? Because, and, you know, the, the, and the big proviso, and who, how many teams isn't this true? This is a given. But Stay health. healthy. And, and Porzingis comes with a health, an injury background. Yes, sure. He's already been sidelined a couple of times. Now it's a calf. Uh, you saw how much they... You, how valuable he is yesterday, and and he gives them a dimension that they have not had, probably in certain ways since Robert Parrish. He's got he's got great talent, and he gets hurt all the time. And yeah. basketball, and so is this is to... not baseball. 
In basketball, the good players are out there 35 to 40 minutes a game, and if they get hurt all the time, they're going to get hurt, right? They're going to. Take a look at the minutes at Celtics yeah, minutes yesterday. What a beautiful box score. One of the great box scores they've ever had in their history. Five guys with 18 or more start, uh, points yeah. start in that game. And, and here's a, I want to throw this tidbit at you yesterday that, uh, that Josh, you know, this is, a, uh, yeah, as you may or may not know, uh, no one hates the three more than me. No one on this earth hates the three-point shot more than me, which had never existed. I think it's the worst thing that happened to basketball in my lifetime. And I point out, yesterday, they, they shot uh, 13 for 42 on threes, which is to, they, were, they shot 67% on twos, by the way, last night. That's a 67, lot. 67, they, they were 33 for 49 on twos. And, and, and uh, uh, the, the poo-pooing of twos, what I call the Daryl Morification of basketball, is, it just <laughs> makes, sickens me. And, and uh, uh, that they, they, were, they, they won that game not because they made 13 threes, it's because they made 33 twos. Yeah, that, I, I'm with you. I didn't think I would be when it started, but I'm with you now about the threes and the twos. And by the way, just so you know, that's the first time ever on Christmas that five starters had at least 15 points for a <laughs> well, team. Oh, oh, and, and, and they're all, and none Christmas of them under the age of 25. That's, That's a right. Christmas record. So, you and, know. and, you know, you know, I mean, you know next thing we're going to have is, you know, the leaving record by a Serb, leaving record by a, you know. A, a, unbelievable. Somebody, uh, 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 unbelievable uh, no, Christmas records. All right. Thank you, Bobby. Have a good holiday. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Uh, great, Tony. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bob Ryan, the quintessential American sports writer. We'll take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. On the 10th day of Christmas, this podcast gives to me 10 silver Hondas, 9 toasted steaks, 8 Aldridge moments, 7 moose can shop, and 6 eggs of ball, and 5 Subarus. Four cell phone bills, three abandoned trailers, two promo codes, and football tricks made by a monkey. On the eleventh day of Christmas, this podcast gives to me eleven rolls of quarters, ten silver honors, nine toasted steaks, eight partridge moments, seven moose shopping, six eggs of oil, and five Subarus. Four cell phone bills, three abandoned trailers, two promo codes, and, and football cakes made by a monkey. On the twelfth day of Christmas, this podcast gives to me Twelve Hallmark movies, eleven rolls of quarters, ten silver harness, nine toasted sticks, eight Audrey's moments, seven moose can shopping, six eggs of ball, and five Subarus. Four cell phone bills, three abandoned trailers, two promo codes, and football picks made by a monkey. That's fabulous. That's Joe and Mackie Arrow. It's just wonderful. Yes. They gave it to us years ago. And yes. It's just wonderful. And it reminds me of the word moose can, <laughs> which moose I can't can. say anymore. You can't really say that. And, <laughs> and it came out of nowhere, and I was talking about an experience at a co- uh, an ice cream shop with a moose can in front of me. It's just very funny. Very funny. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? We Rolls have the of sandwiches today. Rolls of quarters, yes. It's tipping season. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Bethesda bagels. We love them. You will as well. Got the bagel sandwiches today. Very excited about that. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say a man walks down the street. He says, why am I so short of attention? Got a short little span of attention. Well, my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'd be my role model? Now that my role model 
McDonald's gone, gone. Duck back down the alleyway with some roly-poly little bat face girl. <laughs> All along, along, there were incidents and accidents. There were hints and allegations. That's Paul Simon, the genius. Uh, I think the song is called You Can Call Me Al. Yes. Um, there's a video of it. Chevy Chase is somehow <laughs> Chevy in Chase is singing in Paul's yeah, blank bass. Very, yeah. very weird. But it's a wonderful <laughs> song because he's a genius. Yes. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockenfor and Bob Ryan. Thanks to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple. Please leave us a review. Thanks to Sean for working the whole show. Thanks from, to Michael for getting up Absolutely. on his vacation. So yes. thanks to all of that. And let's do some emails. Peter Gwynn, Littleton, Colorado, the former official Amazon delivery driver of the Tony Kornheiser show. He must have gotten a different job, I guess. <laughs> Nobody's mentioned Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. How they mm. spun that song into a variety show on CBS further strengthens my argument that everyone in the 70s was on drugs. That's, they are a local Washington band, I believe. They are. That was their only hit. Afternoon Delight, Starland Vocal Band. It's about an assignation at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't think it's a good song, but yeah. I don't think it's the worst song. <laughs> no. yeah, you know, Didn't it have something to do with Clyde's or something like that? I think so. Yeah. I don't know all the backstory on it. Andy Yamaguchi writes, Go watch now you've done development. it. Yeah. Oh, they'll have it? <laughs> now Mother you've done boy. it. Once you started talking about bad songs, weird tunes from my childhood are bubbling up. Ichiku Park from 1968 mm. is bouncing yet disturbing like a circus clown bearing razor-sharp teeth. They should have called it Kichiku Park. Um, Ichiku Park, was that the Small Faces? I will look that it's up. It's not terrible. Stop. It's a stupid name, Ichiku Park, but it's not terrible. I thought <laughs> right. that, maybe that was a small face. I don't know. Richard Crenshaw, Culpepper, Virginia. To those persons who could continue to submit worse songs after Billy Don't Be a Hero was entered, please stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Billy Don't Be a Hero is a Small faces. Believe you That's what that. I thought. Yes. Right? John Lanza or John Lanza in the Marinette. And we go back and forth with John, don't we? Dear Mr. Tony and Mr. Tom Dore in Chicago, I am indeed of the Lanzas for whom Lanza Field is named. Mr. Tony pronounced it correctly as it is Lanza. Okay, but sometimes we are sometimes poked fun at by more authentic Italians who say the proper pronunciation is Lanza, as in Mario Lanza. Oh, this is Lanza. Lanza is how it's pronounced. Lanza. It's the same Lanza field where in 1989 my father Dominic sprained his ankle sliding into third base, effectively ending his adult softball <laughs> career. And the same Lanza field where six years later I would Deion Sanders' primetime high step to home plate for the dark green team, a particularly audacious feat considering that was one of two times I made it to home plate all season. I was batting about 0-43, <laughs> probably why I spent a record four years in the Blue League. About the Mike Twomey, that blew the game with two straight walks in 1990. Is that the same Mike Twomey whose house I went to for a party in 2002 where I saw a pre-famed Kate Mara, only everyone just referred to her as Wellington Mara's granddaughter? The same <laughs> Twomey house party where I made out with Molly Larkin and then never saw her again. This is such a great email. It's such a great email. It really is. Um, from Kate Zamboni? Actually named Kate Zamboni, or, or Zamboni is... I wonder or, if she's, you know, in the Zamboni business. Yeah. 20 years ago, I sent you an old guy Christmas CD I taped. Yes, as in a tape cassette, your acknowledgement of the gift on the radio, which brought me so much joy. I was living in the D.C. area at the time, and my boyfriend, Norm Zamboni, yeah, and I were huge fans of the Tony Kornheiser show on ESPN Radio. I don't live in D.C. anymore, but I married the guy, took his last name, and every year we listened to the CD. I hope you still enjoy it as much as we do. Happy holidays, Katie. Isn't that nice? And she sent encloses a picture of it. That's really very, very nice. From Brett Fisher in Portland, Oregon. I've been reflecting on your and Michael's lamenting about the lack of advancement in bobblehead technology over the years. <laughs> and a thought occurred to me. Perhaps you're just getting your bobbleheads in the wrong area. 
Why not check for bobbleheads in Marblehead, Massachusetts? I'll bet they're pretty good there. Sounds like a Dan Burns song opportunity, too. Love you guys. You make my life exponentially better three days a week. Thank you, Brett. Uh, Mark Graff. We, we hear from Mark Graff a lot. In Hill Air Force Base in Utah. Did you know that no fewer than 16 states have a town named Decatur? That's got to be up there with wow. states with a Washington or a Franklin or a Lincoln, right? Is this the new game? While Decatur, Indiana or Decatur, Alabama may be gems of a little city growing up in Illinois, you knew Decatur. Illinois wasn't highly thought of. My grandfather often referred to it. Decatur, Illinois wasn't highly thought of. My grandfather often referred to it as the armpit of Illinois. This due in part to the geographic location on the body of Illinois, but more likely because of its odor due to pollution. Well, I didn't know that. Alex Lau, our friend in New York City, just wanted you to know that you're not the only one who can't get into Carbone. New York Magazine contributor Zach Schiffman has a column called Impossible Tables, where he tries to snag a table without a reservation at the restaurants in a city where it's hardest to get a reservation. Usually he has to wait an hour or two, or maybe even two and a half before he gets a table. But at Carbone, he was told by the bouncer, yes, you read that correctly, it has a bouncer, <laughs> that there was no chance. And when he asked to see the host, the bouncer told him, I don't budge for nobody. So clearly your do-you-know-who-I-am routine wouldn't work there. But you can try, and if it doesn't work, you can always walk to my apartment a couple of blocks north and hire me to cook something for you. Carbone keeps coming up. Keeps coming it's up. a tough seat. From Anders Arnold, a cataloging librarian in Noblesville, Illinois. Washington football team at Jets, according to ESPN, tickets as low as $10. I would have gone with the under on that. <laughs> Isn't that nice? 10 bucks. Jim Cudahy, Locust Grove, Virginia. I think I have a compromise that would satisfy everyone but Glenn Youngkin, but I'd call it a win-win anyway. When George Washington had Pierre L'Enfant draw up the district, much of what was and is Alexandria was part of D.C. It was not until 1846 when Alexandria became worried about losing its future ability to engage in the slave trade that Alexandria was returned to Virginia. Might I suggest that, yes, allow the Caps and Wizards to relocate to Potomac Yards, but make part of the deal that Alexandria be returned to D.C.? Mm. Well, that's okay. That's, that's all right. That's okay. Sure. Among the benefits for the district would be a return to a full square on the map. D.C. would also gain significant additional street parking options for RV owners. Making the deal palatable for <laughs> Virginia would be that the Commonwealth would surely lose a disproportionate number of its insufferable Subaru drivers. That's actually, that's sort of interesting. Seems like a fetch, right? Uh, Pat Gogarty in Baltimore. Nigel mentioned on Wednesday that Reginald was headed to Joint Base Andrews for his flight to Iceland to view the volcano flow with Mickey Rivers and Tony Danza. Besides being unable to get the indelible image of Mick the Quick slow-walking his infamous gate from the on-deck circle to the batter's box, then laying down a drag bunt after beating down a beating the throat of first by a full two seconds out of my mind, I'm confused as to who among the volcanologist traveling party has government travel privileges. Are we the taxpayers funding some of Reginald's excursions? Tell me we didn't pay for the outward bound trip with disgraced Representative George Santos. Here is a haiku for Jersey Boys from Shad. Involves some pizza and involves some dollar bills. Jersey Boys story. By the way, he's out now. Yeah, he's out. Tommy Cutlets. Yeah. He's out. He's out. <laughs> 15 minutes. Jonathan he's got the Warren. sauce. Yeah, he's got the sauce. <laughs> Jonathan Warren, Lincoln, Arkansas. My brother, my older brother, Charles Warren from Fort Smith, Arkansas, has written in on occasion and has even had at least two letters read on your show. I can think of no better Christmas gift than for you to grant him this one wish. Please, for the love of God, make him the official business officer of your show. That way the rest of us in the family can go on with our lives. <laughs> Gotta do that. Sure. From Ashley Porter, the principal at Morganton Road Elementary School in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I spied in the attic on Wednesday's PTI shows, James Carville and his better half's Mary Madeline's 1994 book, All's Fair. Yes, we put it up. We put it up. Yes. Two quick questions. Does James himself do, 
do the audiobook version? And if so, does he ad-lib the profanities, which he surely must have included? That's funny. Uh, Niagara alum, AJ in Bakersfield. I hate to break it to Mr. Tony, but it pains me to tell him that Niagara hasn't been relevant in basketball in over a decade. The Purple Eagles are currently 0-2 in the MAC. 3-7 and overall, <laughs> haven't been to the tourney since 2007, although we have made a few NIT appearances. As a Niagara alum... I'm optimistic about the future of men's basketball on Monteagle Ridge. As former Dukey, Greg Paulus is the head coach, and I think he has the program in a positive direction. He was, he was as a college student, a guest on PTI. He was wonderful. Oh, if really? I'm not mistaken, Greg Paulus, after his eligibility, ran out of Duke in basketball. He went back home to Syracuse and quarterbacked the football team. Really? I think that's true. On the topic of Niagara, when you hit on some of our major alumni, such as Calvin Murphy and Yubi Brown, you left out Robert Wegman. Yeah, that Robert Wegman, as in the guy who pioneered the supermarket Wegmans. P.S. Niagara shares the sentiment that Stony Brook can eat it. That's from A.J. in Bakersfield, which is nice. And from Tim Wildsmith in Nashville, Tennessee. Not a song, but a note. I looked up the def- definition of the 1% in the latest edition of the Oxford English Dictionary, and believe it or not, it was just a picture of Mr. Tony throwing away his dishes instead of washing them. That's funny. <laughs> if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Well, that's about it from me. I'd just like to say all the best for Christmas and a happy new year. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> sky there is a winter swan made of enough bright stars to wish upon and I am wishing for more than I dare say I am sitting with a book upon my knees somewhere above me are sisters the Pleiades they're arising a Christmas tune to play And I am wishing for more than I dare say I am counting the numbers one to ten And I am tracing the letters when I learn them then I'll read every tale that you will write for me The shape's so curious, still such a mystery But I will learn them all no matter come what may Cause I am wishing for more than I dare say In the northern sky there is a horse with wings And he flies away forever while the princess sings And I am wishing for more than I dare say So many things that I would tell you if I knew So I sit quiet as a church mouse while I think of you I sit quiet in the schoolroom every day Cause I am wishing for more than I dare say I am counting the numbers one to ten Sing letters when I learn them then I'll read every tale that you will write to me The shape's so curious, still such a mystery But I will learn them all no matter come what may 
Remember 